Good morning. You are listening to the XX Files. It is Wednesday, September 27th at 11.32, CKUT 90.3 FM, and uh, it's your girl, Jules Ghoul. Uh, in the studio today with some very special guests. Um, we have, uh, we're going to talk about the Rebelliously Tiny podcast today, um, which is written and produced by feminist and artist Ambivalently Yours and co-produced by Hannah McCaslin, um, who stars in the first episode of the podcast and is joining us today. Um, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Ambivalently Yours and Hannah. This is uh, great. Um, so, the entire series was recorded at uh, Obero Artist Run Center, based here in Montreal. And for the past five years, uh, Ambivalently Yours has explored both ambivalent and feminist questions by way of post- posting pink drawings on Tumblr. As a result of these drawings, people started responding to their work by sharing personal stories and asking for advice, often anonymous, anonymously. Some common question threads included feminist issues, questions about gender and sexual identity, race, religion, sexual violence, as well as advice about romantic relationships and much more. Stating that they're in no way qualified to tell anyone what to do, uh, ambivalently yours became, began answering these questions uh, with ambivalent drawings. And uh, today has over 1,000 messages in their inbox. Is that true? 1,000 messages in your inbox? Yeah, or more. I've really stopped counting because it gives me anxiety to have so many unanswered messages. No kidding. That (laughs) sounds like a panic attack just like waiting to happen every every time. But so some of the way that you dealt with having all of these messages was to try to find another form um, to answer the question, correct? Yeah, so like I said, there are some questions that I just didn't feel qualified to answer or that I just couldn't relate to because of my life experience. So I decided to ask for help and to find people to help me answer these questions. Amazing. Um, so you're, I understand your goal is so not to provide answers, but to explore the tender emotions we are often told are unimportant while highlighting the value of talking to each other instead of about each other. Um, and you mark each episode by creating a drawing inspired by both the initial question and the conversation it sparked. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. And um, here at the XX Files, we obviously love audio production, and your podcast is beautifully produced. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to make a, a podcast and some of the lessons that you learned on the way? Yeah, so I wanted to make a podcast because I just fell in love with them as a medium, and I started listening to them all the time, and I thought there was something really tender and comforting about them so I thought it would be a great way to expand what I was doing through drawing Um, 
Yeah, and so I kind of reached out to the community looking for help to work on projects, and that's how I met Hannah, and I was talking with Hannah about this project, and she was really interested in podcasts too, so neither of us had any real experience with making a podcast, so we just decided to jump right in and try, and... um, so I had a little bit of grant money left to use at Obero. So with their amazing help, especially from Stefan Claude, he sort of told us what microphones to use and how to set up the space. And we sort of took it from there. Amazing. And how about you, Hannah? What got you interested in podcasting? I mean, I think it was a very similar kind of just starting point of listening to them all the time and really loving them myself. And then when I met Ambivalently Yours and she kind of said like, yeah, one of the things I've been thinking about is a podcast. And I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. I would absolutely love to. Um, and yeah, exactly. We we were really lucky to, or not lucky, it was through your hard work that we were at um, Obero. And I mean, I think with pretty much every guest that came, we would tell them, we were like, you know, you know, you don't have to be nervous. We're nervous too. It's very um, DIY, fake it till you make it, <laughs> uh, making podcasts. And um, yeah, it was really just working together. And I feel like a lot of our work was kind of just supporting each other and encouraging the project to, to make it happen and not necessarily our technical, perfect expertise and knowledge of podcasting. Cool. So had either of you really worked in audio before before this? I mean, I had done like some like small like audio pieces, like art pieces, and I had worked on a short film that had an audio component, but it was still very my my skills were still very basic. So I really learned as I went along by doing like online tutorials and sort of yeah, kind of learning as as we go. Yeah, not so much for me. I mean, maybe um, like school projects and just kind of using portable recorders like under a blanket fort or in a closet or something like that. That's pretty much it. That's so great. I think it's just like so nice when people come to something because they're really interested and like have a like have a, a passion about it rather than you know under like understanding all of the like technical skills. It's like that's. That's extra, right? But I think also the thing about podcasts or about audio, like the the sonic medium is that it's so intimate. And I think that that just makes perfect sense for your for your work because your drawings are so intimate and and the content is super intimate. Um, did you did you think about intimacy at all during this process? Yeah, I mean, that's something that I really loved about listening to podcasts is that sometimes you could get lost in it and feel like you're there with the person speaking. And I really wanted that because while a lot of the exchanges I've had with people online through like exchanging texts and drawings have been really great, there's still like an intimacy that's missing there. And and that was something even within my artistic practice that I was missing was that like sort of like human like more intimate human connection um yeah so it's definitely something that I wanted to include um so yeah speaking about your your relationship with your audience like they really have this like push and pull kind of give and take relationship with your audience um can you like speak a little bit more about how this informs your practice as an or as an artist and as a producer 
Yeah, I mean, this is never something I set out to do in the beginning. Like, I wasn't like, hey, send me your deep, dark secrets and I'll draw about them. It's just something that sort of started happening on Tumblr after I was posting drawings, people would respond. And it's something that was very part of like Tumblr culture, people just asking each other for advice. Um, and then I just thought that was really amazing and I just started incorporating that in my work and now like all of my work is sort of informed by these interactions I have with people. And also I feel like as an artist, if you're going to ask like your audience to bring something into your work, you should always give something back. It should be like a give and take. So for me, like the drawings and now like the podcasts are my way of like giving something back. It's like truly interactive. Yeah. Um, great. So your, um, your podcast touch on extremely relevant subjects for young, mostly female identified and non-binary audience. Um, especially within the realms of intersectional feminism. So these topics include race, gender, body shaming, ableism, trans rights, sexuality, assault, violence, and suicide. Um, can you talk about the difficulty or ease in which you tackled these subjects? Yeah, I mean, these, like all of these subjects are so important and, and I just, a lot of the times when I was trying to deal with them on my own, like on Tumblr or through sharing drawings, I felt like I I couldn't really explore all of them so extensively because of my limited life experience. And so I think it, that these things should be more of a conversation than one person saying, this is how this is. So mm -hmm. I really wanted, the podcast gave me a space to make it more of a conversation. Um, yeah, because I think there are things that we have to talk about more. And yeah, it's hard. It's difficult work to take on yourself, for sure. Um, and did you find the conversational aspect of your podcast to be kind of cathartic or healing at all? Yeah, I found it was very healing. Um, just being in the studio space and having these conversations, it just... I mean, I think Hannah can speak to this too. It was just very healing to be there and to talk about these things. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just the space was really great as well for the types of conversations that we were having because, you know, it's a studio, so it's quiet and you feel totally just in the room with just the people that are there and you get to have these really kind of going back to the intimacy question, these intimate conversations with people and it was definitely really healing or cathartic for myself and I, I remember after every conversation I just felt so lucky to have been there and to be sitting in on it and a lot of my job was just really close listening like listening really closely um, and paying attention throughout the whole time and it was just yeah it was really nice right like how is I'm curious as to how your experience as a producer is when you're you know when the subject matter is so personal and the conversations are so intimate and then you have to go back and you know, edit those to make them, you know, sound the best or be the cleanest or like get the message across in the way, right way. Like, how did you balance that? So my job as a producer was less on the editing side. That was actually something that ambivalently yours did most of just because it is entirely, um, you know, her project that she came up with. And my job as a producer was mostly to be kind of, um, 
do fun things like give my opinion and um, just do things like be in the studio and make sure that the sound was okay. So I wasn't really the one that was kind of picking out um, what was going to be in the podcast in terms of that editing or trying to kind of play around with the sound as much, um, but more giving my opinion on all of these things and um, just making sure that everything was coming through okay. Okay, amazing. And then how did you feel? I mean, I know that sometimes I'll end up editing an audio piece that my own voice is in, and it's, like, excruciating to do. (laughs) How How did you find the process of editing your own conversations? Yeah, I never realized how often I say the word like in a sentence. So that part was really hard. And it was, I did feel a lot of responsibility. Um, So I did um, share each episode with each of my guests before airing it to make sure that they felt comfortable with the way I edited them. Because there's, there's a lot of power in being the editor. And I felt like it had to, I wanted it to be more collaborative and that I wanted to make sure that everyone was really comfortable with everything that we were that we were putting out there totally well I mean it worked it worked out like obviously <laughs> you're never gonna know the things that didn't make it into the final yeah. podcast but it still like definitely kept a really kind of raw conversational quality which I really appreciated um so in um in episode three uh you talk about um subjects like privilege misogyny and intersectional feminism with your 15 year old high school um, intern, correct? Yeah. And so this, this episode is so enlightening, um, and interesting, specifically the conversations you have, um, regarding the lack of incorporation of feminism or feminist studies into high school curriculums. Um, as you state, there is little to no information regarding feminism or social justice taught in high schools. And in turn, students look to social media, uh, for information on these subjects. So what do you, why do you think that subjects like intersectionality and feminism are not yet incorporated into high school curriculums? And do you think this is a oppressive behavior? Yeah, I mean, it's not like I did an audit of like all educational systems to see like how much feminism there was, but like the sense that I had growing up and the sense that I got from Zishi was that there wasn't much. And I think that that exclusion of any sort of feminist conversations it speaks volume to what's important to talk about. Um, And yeah, so I think young people and I think adults too are turning to social media to learn more about these things, which is great, but it's also a lot of information to process. And I think that schools need to do a better job helping students learn how to process these things, how to understand what their sources are and because I think it can be very overwhelming. I know for me as an adult, it's really overwhelming. So, well, I think it's great because just list talking with Zishi, I saw how much she knew and I didn't know that much when I was a teenager, which was amazing. But I also saw her struggle with not knowing what to do with all that information. Right. Because there's a, like, you're, when you turn to the internet to find any, to look for an answer to any question, it's like, yeah, the amount of information that you're bombarded with is, like, unbelievable. Um, so how do you feel about, like, especially, like, teenagers or young adults having to rely on social media 
um, or the internet uh, in order to access information regarding feminisms and social justice? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a problem because we the way we consume things online is so fragmented. Um, and I think there's value in like studying feminism in a more in-depth way, like by reading or having classes, because I think learning through fragments can be a problem because you're not getting the whole story or you're getting just pieces. And yeah, I really wish there was more in curriculums. There was more in like mainstream conversations about these things. And what, um, like, what do you think this podcast role has been in kind of um, increasing access to this information? Yeah, well, what I liked about podcasting is that it's a little bit more of like a long form medium. So instead of just being like a quick Instagram post or a quick article that you'll scroll through, it, you're spending more time with these ideas that are really complicated and I think that in that time you have more time to process and to think about them in a maybe in a more extensive way um yeah so that's my hope anyway with the podcast yeah it's true I think also like yeah when you're like you know on the internet I have like you know 17 tabs open and like one of them is something that's like you know feminist theory related or even like a f everyday feminism blog or whatever, you know, and like the other one, then it's like Instagram and then it's like Facebook and who knows what else, like you're listening to music. It's just like, and yeah, it's really difficult to, to absorb information in a meaningful way. Um, I think for a lot of people in that format. So I, t I totally agree with you. And I think that that's, that's really important. Have you, do you know, um, like, obviously you know your demographic pretty well like young adults do you know any like how they interact with podcasts or or with the sonic medium differently than than they would on the internet um i mean i'm not sure i feel like our demographic is mostly young people like femme identified non-binary but because that's mostly my demographic online um and i like from what I've heard, like a lot of people have written to me and said that it was like a really calming thing to listen to. And so I think in that sense, um, it was a way for them to, like I said, experience things in a more kind of intimate and long form way. Mm -hmm. um, but my mom, who I interviewed in the last episode, has also been sharing the podcast with all of her friends that are her age. And she says that they all really love it, too, which is really interesting to me how it could go across generations, too. Well, like, a lot of these things don't really go away, you know? Like, so many, like, problems you start having when you're a teenager, but they continue on and just maybe kind of shapeshift a little bit, but it's still, like, so, never not relevant, and, you know, to talk about social justice, talk about feminism, talk about self-care and loving yourself. Like, I think those are struggles that, like, we're probably going to have our whole lives. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes people see my work and they're like, oh, it's for teenagers because of the aesthetic of it. Um, but no, I think everyone can sort of benefit from thinking about these kinds of things. Um... So I also, so I wonder um, how you, if you could talk about or discuss um, 
how Tumblr as an image-based uh, social media medium as well is a place for unconventional expression. Um, yeah, I mean, Tumblr for me was, it was kind of the first place where I started seeing like different images than the images that you see in the mainstream and seeing different conversations and and especially the images was really important to me to sort of help me shift my ideas of what like beauty meant or what like being okay with your body meant so and also on tumblr there's just all these great interactions and conversations that that i that i got to see but i do see now that tumblr is sort of like dying down in popularity and things are going over to more like Instagram, which is a little bit less long form. It's a little bit, it's a different interaction. It's a little less interactive, I find. Um, so yeah, so the Tumblr era was like really interesting to me. And um, so, but since your podcast is sound-based project, can you discuss perhaps the intersections of sound and image in the process of learning and self in self-expression within contemporary society? Um, yeah, so I mean, to me, the sound is just an extension of what I've been doing um, on Tumblr with the image-based. I think the image can has a certain type of affect. It kind of conveys a certain emotion, but sound, like we said earlier, has maybe more of an intimacy. Um, so I think the two together really work well, and which is why I decided to make a drawing for each episode because I felt like they were really complementary and that they allowed people to experience the work in different ways and take sort of what they wanted from it. Totally. And so how did you, um, how was your process of, of making these images? How was it different than the way that you were sketching before? Um, did you do it before or after the, after making the podcast or? Yeah, so before I would just I would get a a message on Tumblr and then I would make a drawing inspired by it. Um, but for the podcast, um, we had the message from Tumblr and then I had the conversation in the podcast and then after ep- editing the podcast episode, I made a drawing sort of inspired by everything, like the initial question and also the conversation. And often the text that I used on my drawings was like a direct quote from something that my guest had said. So it was really kind of like about the whole thing. Amazing. Um, And then I wonder if you both could speak to this idea of kind of DIY production, and also the way of like kind of leveling the playing field of knowledge right so you don't specifically talk to people who are experts in the field you know like not everybody is a like is a researcher or it's like you know people in your in your life who have life experience and um and have really insightful things to say and then on the other side the fact that you know like neither of you were were sound experts going into this and still managed to make something that is really beautiful and really well produced um just like because you kind of you know like took from what the things that the experiences that you do had i wonder i think 
that process is like so so important and we always just like think of people making things or giving an opinion to be an expert and I yeah I wonder how uh, how you felt about the kind of DIY non-expert approach to both production and to knowledge yeah I mean I think that was really a main goal of the podcast was not to just have um, celebrities or as you were saying quote experts and how the how expert is traditionally defined, um, which can be like really masculine or um, kind of academic or whatever it is. And I really loved that about the podcast is a really big goal is to just have people who, people who we thought though could have really amazing answers and thoughts and responses to these questions and, but not, and that was another goal of the podcast is saying we're not trying to answer we're not giving you tips for um making it all go away or making it perfectly better we're just also kind of discussing and relating and thinking these things through and we hope that that's comforting or helpful in any way um and yeah I really love that about the podcasting medium itself and that and how we were able to produce it ourselves as being not experts is that it's a little bit more accessible I think and I was reading an article recently about podcasting that was like it kind of breaks down um like the norms of who gets to communicate and to what extent they get to communicate so really having people on the podcast who maybe don't get to communicate in the mainstream as much um but still giving them like giving us and them that space to to yeah, just to communicate their thoughts and feelings and knowledge. And I think that was really important. Yeah, I think like the DIY approach really like breaks down this hierarchy. And, you know, there's a very like 90s riot girl sort of energy behind it. And but and also for me, like while I was editing, I really had to remind myself of that and to be okay with like this might not be perfect. This might not sound perfect but that's okay and because if I got too caught up in that I I couldn't keep going and I think that's really important to just be okay with that things have technical flaws and that yeah and that there are mistakes in them and that it's all part of like a process and it doesn't have to be this like perfect product with all professionals that know exactly what that know everything about everything and yeah, and because a lot of the guests, like, I chose them because I saw that they were posting really interesting things on Facebook, and I was like, these people have really interesting things to say. They need a better platform than just, like, their Facebook wall to, to say it. 100%. I think, yeah, no, I think that that's, like, the kind of, like, yeah, leveling the playing field of, like, what counts is so important, and um, I think you did just a beautiful job and um i want to thank you both so much for being here and um so the podcast is called um rebelliously tiny and it's available on the uh itunes podcasting app mm-hmm. and via your website which is it's ambivalentlyyours.com slash podcast 